0: Uh, isn't it great to be a Christian? Man, I love being a Christian, I'm telling you. Now, I don't always love being an earthling. You know what I mean? This is one flipped out, weirded out planet. Actually, the planet's probably okay. It's the people on it. So, you know, you live on the planet, you deal with some stuff. But man, to be a Christian, especially in these dark days, man, I am living it up. I wish everybody that my I ever saw would become a born again Christian, and just know what we know and have what we have is just so awesome, man. Praise God. And I, I think about stuff now. Vicky, my Vicky, she says you're thinking about all this stuff of your gr- growing up and of your past because you're getting old. Why are you laughing? Because <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah, it's the same boat. Thank you. I said, well, you know, I just, I think about. Now, my kids, they were raised in church. My, for example, my son, his first day in church ever was in his mother's womb. The first time he ever heard this wonderful music that we sing. Christian music's the best of all music. It really is. You ever hear about what we're singing compared to what the world's singing? Well, first of all, halftime, you can't even understand what the world's singing. This is a, to be introduced to this king of glory. Wow. What a powerful thing. And to know this anointing like this, what a powerful thing. And uh, I, I met the Lord at, oh, I was probably about 19 years old. I was a marine leader in Vietnam. And uh, I'm not sure you should be a marine leader in Vietnam at 19 years old, but I was. And I met a person there named Jesus Christ, and I've never turned back. Now, I didn't get to meet you first. I didn't get to meet the church first. I never read a book, you know, about going to church or Christianity. I had no friend that was a Christian. Um, I just met the person of, it's okay if you meet the church first, and then we introduce you to Christ. It's all the same. But in my story, I met him first. And uh, I didn't know anything about it, not ra- not being raised in church. I didn't know about the Lord, and I didn't know the terms. You, We all say terms, you know, born again, you know, I'm a new creature, you know, et cetera. We, pray, we never even said praise God. We did use the Lord's name once in a while, but it, <laughs> I'm still asking the Lord to forgive me for that. And, and I met him in, in 1972, and I'm still trying to... Sorry about that, Lord. I remember when my pastor told me I couldn't cuss anymore. You know, I, I come back from Vietnam and went to church. But just because you're born again, honey, that don't mean you're fixed yet. Can I have a better amen? I want a real amen, amen. because some of you in here aren't fixed totally yet. Uh-oh. So my pastor said, you can't, you, you know, you don't speak again until I give you permission period, anywhere, at any time. Oh, I don't blame him. And uh, I was a Marine instructor, you know, with recruits at the time. And uh, so I went to work the next day at the Marine Corps depot, you know, recruit depot, and I yelled for my platoon to fall in. And then I began to talk to them, and I remembered what my pastor, we had this old gal in our church too called Sister Pentecost. Now, I think we called her Sister Pentecost because she was old enough. I thought maybe we thought she was there. (laughs) But she was this old, sweet, Pentecostal lady. Man, she's only about this tall. But when she prayed for you, man, both ears went to swelling, you know. She'd get a hold of you. I mean, I think she thought you had to shake demons (laughs) out of people. Because she just, man, it was like a dog after a, you know. And uh, she told me... Don't you ever hear me. Don't you ever let me hear you cuss again, boy. Now, pastor said, if you cuss again, I'm going to deal with you. Now, he was a full-blooded Cherokee holy man raised on the reservation. He said, I can talk to you from the Bible or the hatchet. Which one do you want? I said, I'll take the Bible. I'll take the Bible. But now, Sister, and I, and I think he meant it. But I, even if he didn't, I wasn't going to test it. But Sister Pentecost said, If you ever cuss like that again and and use the name of the Lord, my God, in vain, may he strike you dead. You talk about fixing the guy really quick. I believed her. Nobody argued with Sister Pentecost. That's why we need these holy women of God in the church today. I mean, we we believe this woman. So I went to work, and, uh, you know, what do you... I'm a marine instructor. What do you tell privates? <laughs> Private, you! I'm thinking, I don't want to get struck dead here in the uniform. <laughs> I survived two years in Vietnam, and I die dealing with a recruit because Sister Pentecost called upon God. So I, you know, we didn't have cell phones then, so. At lunchtime, I ran and called my pastor. I said, Pastor... You and Sister Pentecost have ruined my career in the Marines. And they, he said, what are you talking about? I said, uh, I can't cuss anymore. He goes, no, you can't. I said, well, I'm like, I'm like mute. <laughs> I didn't realize. <laughs> I didn't realize that if I said 10 words, nine and a half of them were not permitted. not terrible? I didn't realize that. That's why I love you, and I love the church, because you help people like me. The church helped me. Some people have problems with church. I've never had a problem with church. The church helped me. I don't know if I would have got free from all that crud, foul mouth and hatred and and anger and drinking so heavy. Are you kidding me, man? But the church helped me. That's why I live in church now. I mean, I would I I go to church every night if they let me. They almost do. I think this is my, my staff was telling me, I think this is my 322nd time to speak in a church this year. I love church because I love what it did for me. Once somebody said, Now, Brother Barclay, you know, why don't you slow down a little bit? You got a great church down here and other churches and all these preachers, sons in the faith, and. You, you know, you're on television, you've written books, and why don't you just kind of take it easy? That, that, by the way, is a really dumb suggestion. <laughs> but nonetheless, I know the heart of why people say that to me. And I said, I can't do it. I just can't. And they say, why not? And I said, because everywhere I go, there's a Mark Barkley sitting out there somewhere. There really is. Some guy that wants to be a Christian, or he is, but he doesn't know how to live, or she but he doesn't know how to live like a Christian. And that's why, man, I look back now, I'm so glad that I met this Jesus Christ. I'm so glad that I'm born again. I'm a new creature. And I'm so glad that people like you, it wasn't you, but it was someone just like you who got Mark Barclay totally free. you got to understand something. This is why you're in church. Maybe you're already free. And a lot of people are, and they're great disciples. And we all got something we're dealing with, I'm sure, you know, but, but, but most of you are probably great disciples. But what if that church that I met, my first church, what if they would have disassembled? What if, they, what if they wouldn't have went to church? What if they would have been cheaters? Then I wouldn't be the man of God I am today. Because remember when Jesus called Lazarus out of that tomb? Lazarus, come forth! And he did. But the Bible says he was bound with, you know, mouth, hand, and foot, totally bound. But he came forward, but still bound. Resurrected, but still bound. No longer dead, but still bound. And you know the story because you're Bible people here. And Jesus turned to his disciples and said, Loose him and let him go free. That's your duty. That's my job now. That's my job now. Someone obeyed Jesus Christ and got Mark Barclay free. Oh, it's been a long time ago now, but man, there's nothing. You can't name anything as good as freedom. Freedom is, is the ultimate thing for a human being. To be free from demons, to be free from people, to be free from, your, from substance abuse, to be free from hurt, anger, resentment. You, Freedom is the greatest thing that could ever happen Amen. to a human being, and that's the work of the church. So I see by the Spirit, I'm saying all this for a reason, I see by the Spirit of God that in 2019, the body of Christ is going to reap a lot of souls. Honestly, I see it. It's going to be, you can clap, go ahead, i, I receive it. 2019, we're going to have almost like an unusual favor just like what I saw in the spirit while we were still flowing with the band, uh, we're going to have this unusual favor. I see people so down, so dirty, so confused, so scared, so cursed, so driven by darkness, so bound in their way that they're going to see you. They're going to say, Why are you always smiling? What are you always up for? You know, that's what they call it. What are you up for? I'm down. What are you up for? What are you on? That's what, if you're happy to say, what are you on? What are you taking, man? You know? Yeah, Jesus, that's right. But I see this in the Spirit. I'm prophesying it everywhere I go. I'm prophesying it over my life and my ministry. I fully intend to see more souls... Either the backslider coming back to God and saying, I've been a prodigal, I've been wrong, I got hurt, I got mad, sad, I got disappointed, I ran away, I got running with the wrong people. There's a hundred or more reasons why people leave churches. But I don't know about all that, Uh, but I do know this. A lot of them are coming home, and they're looking for help. They're they're, They're not coming back negotiating. They're coming back crying out to God. And then this new favor to win souls. I'm on that, man. I'm going to tell you. I, I'm on it. We're going, to, we're going to see it. Our churches are going to swell. We've got to make room for them. Yeah. What would this church do if even... I know this isn't a Sunday morning attendance, you know, midweek. Someone said, I was trying to think of that today. One of my fathers, I think it was Dr. Roy Hicks, if you know that name. You, you, you knew Dr. Hicks. Dr. Hicks said... Uh, when you when you uh, look at the attendance on Sunday morning, you can see how popular church is. When you look at the attendance on Sunday night, you can see how popular the preacher is. When you look at the attendance on Wednesday night, you see how popular God is. I'm sure, glad I'm here tonight, <laughs> especially after that. Praise the Lord, Amen. So, with this new favor, this influx of people, we gotta make room for. I'm going to help you. You know this, but they're not all gonna smell pretty. Oh no. Oh no. Revival's always been messy. But it's worth it to change people's lives. It's worth it. I see it sometimes, the pastor saying, just sing one song. I gotta hurry up and get in the word today. So somebody's here that needs to, and God told me what to say, and He'll say it, and people's total lives will be changed. You gotta understand. So do I. Not every church service is for you. You're a soldier. You're a soldier of the cross. Not everything's designed for you and bless you and help you. I hope you get help. I hope you get blessed. But that's not the goal. Sometimes you might sit here and say, What's he preaching that for? Man, I just, I know all about that. Why doesn't he, why didn't he go deep, man? Because God's sending that message and it isn't for you today, it's for you to be a good soldier, part of the army. Let and let God use pastor to zero in at what he's doing. I'm preaching pretty good right now. Yeah. Send them to us, Lord. The confused ones. Send them to us. They're so lost. So many are so lost. They don't even know where to turn. They don't know where to turn. They, they really don't. They see all these play churches and placebo churches and dirty churches and and lying and cheating preachers, they don't know where to turn. They see all this junk and, 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 and then they say, well, the church, they, they're, they're as dirty as we are. They can't help us. But there are churches like this one that can help. Turn them, get, send them to us. Send them. We'll, we'll be a house of deliverance. We'll cast out demons. We'll help them get free from any substance, any misbehavior. Send them to us. That's what we pray. That this would be a decontamination station in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. This would be a deliverance center in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Wow, I like being here. Whew. There's a good spirit in this house right now. Amen. Praise God. People that missed tonight, they'll be back on Sunday and they'll be wondering why you're glowing and they're gray. And you just say, too bad, I'm not telling you, you should have been. No, 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 not do that. I brought a couple of things with me, and then I'm going to get in the, in the Word. Uh, I have a brand new series out. I, I, it's really helping a lot of people. That's why I do all this work. I got lots to do, so I don't do anything just to do it. It's called, What Does God Have to Say About It? I, 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 I hear all this talk about, this is what that this society has to say about it and this is what that association has to say about it and this is what the scientists have to say about it and this is what the medical people have to say about it and I hear all this about philosophers and and so I decided to do a series to help you and me. What's God got to say about this? This is a powerful series. So this is my disclaimer, if you're a whining, sniffling baby, do not get this series. (laughs) Just walk by and say, no, no, it's not for me. I'm not grown up enough yet. This is a grown up series. Now, that's my disclaimer. So, if you get this, I don't want you to listen to this and call, write, or email, uh, you know, or drop letters out of an airplane when you go by Midland uh, mad at me for this, because I warned you not to listen to it. 26 things the Lord hates. I would think, if I ask, no, no offense, if I ask the average Christian, can you give even five things that God hates? I would say the average Christian could not give those to me. If God hates like He loves, get off from that list. And I went through and gave you 26 things, backed up by more than 26 verses, of the things that our God literally hates and the things He will not put up with, not even in New Testament times. In fact, a lot of the 26 things are found in the New Testament. Wow. Another another message in here, things God does not bless. You and I could have things in our life, and because of it, God won't bless. I'll prove it to you biblically, New Testament. even. In case you've been bit by the Old Testament bug, That everything in the Old Testament isn't for today, which is a bunch of nonsense. But nonetheless, that's what a lot of people believe. Wow. Here's one. How do I beat worry? Why worry? Why would you throw worry in here, Doc? Because worry is nothing more than taking your lordship back from Jesus Christ, taking responsibility for your own life and figuring out what to do, Your Majesty, Your Highness. So I'm going to help you know how to get out of this worry thing because it kills so many people. Well, I got to march on, but there's a, there's a message in here, protection from evil. Did you know there's a, that in the New Testament, in the book of, 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 the epistle of John, not the gospel, in the epistle of John, the second epistle of John, Jesus said, if you wish the wrongdoer God's speed, the evil of his sin will never leave your house. Did you know that's in your New Testament? You can't get any more New Testament than the Apostle John. And you can't get it. He's the apostle that was known for love. What's Godspeed mean? Well, I won't judge you. It isn't my business. Go do what you want to do. I don't have any problems with it. Go and be blessed. Go, just go on. I don't know. That's Godspeed. Second John says, which is the word of God, if you wish them Godspeed, then the very evil that's happening to them will never depart from your house. I think, now I'm not trying to put nothing on you, but I think this could be the reason why a lot of people, though they do go to church and they do believe God, and they are reading their Bible, so a lot of people do tithe, and, and honestly, it's not working for many, many people. Could it be that this is one of those things? That, that God is clear on what not to do, but you've been programmed maybe by modernists, teachers and prophets and whatever, that, that we don't have to obey the whole Bible, that we're saved by grace. But grace helps you obey the Bible. Can I have a better amen? Yeah. You're looking sad-like. Put that away. I don't want to hear any more about that series. Okay, so anyways, there's six in there. What does God have to say about it? It's really helping a lot of people. And then one more thing. God has really touched me and my staff to try to help people read the Bible more. Have a good Bible and go read it. And so we have some of our special edition Bibles with us. It's the King James Version. But this Bible has great column references. Most preachers even tell me the column reference in our Bible is some of the best they've seen. You know, to chase things and study. And in the back, I have some of my favorite outlines, like all 18 of what to do when. And you can look up the verses and, and other things like that. If you go back and get a Bible, either for yourself or somebody else, then you've got to put some seed in it. Then I will give you my series on how to study the Bible. I have it on video and audio. And I don't mean to insult your intelligence, but I have learned something, and I see it quite often. A lot of Christians do not know how to study their Bible. So I, I, my first message in here, how do you study your Bible? when your pastor stands in this pulpit compared to how do you study your Bible at home? Major difference. God spoke this to me, Scout, and I'm, that's why I'm doing stuff like this. God said, my children are getting less than 50% of the good out of their church. 50 percent's not good enough to come and hear a good preacher teach and a good pastor help you, and you're only getting 50% of what you could get. I'm not insulting you, I'm just passing on what God said. So, how do you study the Bible when He opens it and teaches from it? Do you just sit there? Do you just listen? Do you take notes? What kind of notes? Do you open your Bible? Do you even bring a Bible? And uh, and then another CD, how do you study the Bible at home? Are there rules in studying the Bible? Yes. Yes, there are. And even interpreting the Bible. And then the third message in here is all about what kind of study tools can I use. And I deal with the versions and a couple of the perversions that you better stay out of. One of the greatest, most not greatest, one of the most popular versions of our Bible has been bought out by the publishers that publish all the gay rights and all the transgender things. And they've already changed over 2,000, 2,100 words. Oh, Yeah. And it's so popular, most people, you know why they're doing it? In short, in quick, because they want to be able to say, well, I don't know what your Bible says, but my Bible says Jesus was gay. I don't know what your Bible says, buddy, but my Bible says that there's nothing wrong with adultery. There's nothing wrong, see? So you, that's why I did this, so you know the difference. And uh, now, I, you can get audio because some people don't sit and study and watch something. I prefer you get the video because we zoomed my TV cameras right in on my Bible, put them on the big screen, and videoed, this is what this little number means, this is what this letter means, why do we have a different font here? So it's really been helping a lot of people. Enough on that. If you get a Bible, I'll give this to you. And if you got a good Bible, then it's the best gift you can give somebody the Word of God, and they're not real expensive either. Did you bring a Bible? Speaking of the Bible, did you bring one? Is that an amen? Is that a yes? All right, open it to the book of Matthew. Come on. we got to at least study a few minutes, don't we? Praise God. Amen. Let me hand this back to somebody here. Praise God. Matthew chapter 2. Are you there? Okay, Matthew 2. Oh, man. Isn't it great to be in church? Scout, I love you, and I'm very proud of you. I want to tell you in front of everybody. You're doing a tremendous job here. And God is really using you and Devine and the team here. So thank God for the team here as well. I'm serious about that. I'm not a flatterer. I'm not good at that. But when I see something that's working and I see something of high caliber and I see what God's doing, I want to say thank you to this church. That that means you too, church family. A general is only as good as his troops in the field. A pastor is only as good as as the flock. He can be the greatest, smartest, I don't know, anointed. But if you don't, if you're not a good army, not much is going to get done. You won't win your city. So uh, good job, and good job to all of you. Keep it up. This is a good thing. And I'm including those of you from the other church a little farther south. Thank God for you. Now, did you find Matthew 2? I hope so, because I can't stall any longer. Matthew 2, I want to give you a couple of my favorite verses and especially at Christmas time, but not because it's Christmas time, because there's a message in here that God wanted me to bring to you. Uh, That's one of the reasons I came up here. In Matthew 2, look at verse 1. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, everybody say, "Yay." yay, of Judea in the days of Herod the king. Behold, there came wise men from the east. To Jerusalem. Now, if you know the whole story, which I'm sure you do, you'll know that there were kings involved. There were wise men involved. You'll know there were shepherds involved. There was angels involved. Amen. Hey, when now wise men, that doesn't just mean, golly, that guy's really smart. <laughs> These were the astronomers, probably the medical people of the day, the scientists of the day, the mathematicians of the day, probably the highest CEOs of the richest places in the earth of the day. That's who was attracted to this baby being born from the east. Now, if you look at the east right now, what's considered the east, that's all, that's, the east is who wants Jerusalem annihilated. The east, they're not, but these guys came from the east with a whole different agenda. It wasn't to annihilate this new baby king of the Jews. It was to bless him and be part of this great event. Skip down just for the sake of time to verse 9. Verse 9. When they had heard the king, they departed and lo, the star... Circle that. Everybody say, the star. Star. It's important that you understand this because I'm going to tell you about something in a minute about this. And when they had heard the king, they departed and lo, the star which they saw in the east, went before them. This is not a falling star. This is not a shooting star. This is a moving star. Until it came and stood over where the young child was. Why did the star stop there? Because nothing on this planet goes beyond Jesus Christ. He's the answer to everything. He's the fulfillment of all things, not some things. Are you listening at all? Yeah. Now, I don't know about you, but where I live, I don't see wise men and kings and and city leaders looking up into the sky following some star. This is a really weird, unusual event. That people like this especially, now, you know, there's always been a little superstitious people and some religious people and, you know, they might thought, oh, my God, look at that star. It's moving. But these, this, this level of people, they're more suspicious than they are superstitious and they see this star and it's moving and for some really weird, unknown reason, they followed it. Hey, not across town. Not across county. They followed this uh, all the way from the east. Imagine, this does not make any sense. There must have been something in the air besides a star in the sky. Now, when the shepherds heard about this baby being born, angelic hosts were involved. Woohoo! That's cool, man. What if you went home tonight and, and you get all settled in? I don't know what time is it. It's eight o'clock. We'll say 9:30, and you're home and the door shut and you hear singing. And it's so angelic, so beautiful. You turn each other and say, "Is that coming from your iPhone?" <laughs> Where's that coming from?" "No, no, I'm not playing music," she says. Well, what is that? I don't know. Is it, it must be from outside. Must be some Christmas carolers have come by. So you open the door and you look out and there's no Christmas carolers. What do you see? Angel, angels in a little choir, lifted off the ground, singing, announcing his birth. <laughs> and you ran in the house and shut the door and hid yourself. I know you look so spiritual like I would have sung with him. No, you wouldn't. You would have been as spooked out as anybody else. Yeah. The day that Jesus died and gave up his life, the earth went dark. It was bigger than a solar eclipse because it was the globe. Something filled the air. Everybody knew. Even some of the soldiers said, "Uh uh-oh, uh-oh, he really was God. Or he really was the king of the Jews. I believe, the way I read this, uh, when Jesus was born, something filled the air. The glory of the Lord filled the earth. That's why men of that high education uh, would follow a star in the sky. Hey, where are you going, Jake? I don't know. Wherever that star star stops, that's where I stop. Well, that's cool for an hour. (laughs) Hey, in 2018, most of you have really nice cars. And you might not have followed the star for an hour. You maybe you would because you know this story. But they did. They did. Now look at this. You still with me? When they saw the star, verse 10, when they saw the star, <laughs> they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. How are you doing with that? And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasure, circle that, highlight that, say that, opened their treasure, say that with me, opened their treasures, they presented. They presented. Next time you give something in an offering, don't throw in some bucket. You present it. Presentation is everything. Ask any good restaurant person, server, chef. It isn't just, is the food good? It's the presentation. It's the atmosphere that attracts people many, many times before they ever tasted the food. They presented these gifts. They didn't just come and throw them down, say, there, I followed the star. I'm tired. I need a shower. I'm hungry, and I feel dumb, but here, I brought this for you. No, they presented it to Next time you come to God's house, you say, here I am. I'm presenting myself to you. What do you want me to do? Where should I serve? Bring your money. Say, I'm presenting my offering and my tithe to you, King of glory. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. Amen. They opened their treasures. It's amazing to me when you read this Bible. It's like the people in here is like you and me. We weren't. Most, most of us weren't real good givers until we met Christ. But in this Bible, how about, how about uh, Zacchaeus in the tree? Rich guy. did Another very unusual, weird thing. I got a lot of rich people in the town I live in. I've never seen any of them in a tree. Hey, what are you doing up there? I'm waiting to see Jesus. Weird man this guy did, what about what the tax collector, he meets this Jesus and there's not in a church service, there's no offering being taken, they're not in a gathering, they're walking along. And he said, uh, he just met the Lord and he said, everybody I've taken unfair advantage of, I'll begin to return the money immediately. Well, he's not saved yet or he'd say, I'll return all the money, I've taken advantage of everybody. But it's a prelim to repentance. You cannot meet my Savior without becoming a giver of your time, your talents, your money. And God will gift you after you know Him. And then you share that gift with other people. Wow. Well, here they brought three gifts. Gold. Say gold. Gold. Frankincense. Say that. And myrrh. Why these three gifts? Well, gold, when you offer gold, especially these wise men or the kings or the ones being sent by the kings, you're recognizing somebody's kingship. You're opening your treasury to another country. Remember, they're not there knowing Jesus as a savior like you do. They're there realizing that uh, the king of the Jews has been born, the prophesied one has been born, and we're bringing gold and we're giving it to this king. Next time you give in any offering and you bring your gold, your treasury, whether it's plastic, check, paper, currency, or coin, you don't just throw it. I I don't think you do this, I'm just saying, don't be just throwing it in an offering. Don't ever feel bad about any offering. You say, I'm bringing my gold to the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and I'm so glad, Lord, that I know you. It's my honor to present my tithe to you and to give my offering for your work. Don't let anybody ever cheapen that for you. Don't you ever make that tinsel. You hear me? Don't you let anybody tell you that's not important. And don't you ever just make it a money transaction. You present it to the king of kings your master, your Lord and Savior. Wow. Then they presented frankincense. What is that? That's the perfumed oil that was used to anoint the priest. I don't think God called them to anoint the priest. Are you kidding me? These kind of people, they don't know God. I I would think. I mean, they're coming the east, so they might even be in a false religion. I don't know. You don't know. I don't think God said, you go there and anoint that baby with frankincense, with the oil or the spice. No, they brought it as a gift. But what it represented was the high priesthood that not only would this Jesus, this baby be a king, but he would be the high priest of our profession. That's heavy duty. You see, God has it all covered. And if we would let Him, He has our life covered. You may not know what to do sometimes, and you might even make the wrong decision. We're human. But God's got your back, He's got your life planned, and He's got you covered. Then they present myrrh. What's so important about that? That was the oil that the prophets, mostly the prophets used to anoint kingship. Like when when Samuel come to to Ben-Jesse's house and said, one of your boys is going to be the king. And it ended up being David. And they poured this myrrh oil and perfumed a certain scent over top. But myrrh was also used to anoint people for burial. They come at the same time to bring gold, to recognize his kingship, to bring frankincense, recognizing his priesthood, and to bring myrrh, recognizing he would be the voice of God, the word of God, the prophet of God, and the anointing for his burial all at one time. I can think of another time where someone anointed Jesus for his burial. Can you? Can you? The woman with the alabaster box a very precious, very expensive perfumed oil. Remember? Thank God for women disciples. Wow. Or we'd all be dressed in camouflage tonight with deer heads hanging all over the building. Thank God, say it. Thank God for women disciples. Amen. You know, pastor says, I don't see the problem. What are you talking about, Doc? Of course we're going to. Yeah, Hallelujah. Amen. Let's yeah, let's do it. Yeah, no, we're not doing it. No. Sorry, I even brought it up. <laughs> Praise <the> God. <laughs> this woman comes right into the presence of Jesus. And, and you know, she got booed. She got prosecuted. She got worse than anybody any here ever had a Facebook post against you. <laughs> she got totally rejected. They even in front of her whined and complained to Jesus. Why, this oil is expensive, and the box it came in. Why, this could have been sold, and the, and the money, we could have gave it to the poor. I love Jesus' answer. You know what He said? You've always had the poor. You haven't done anything yet. <laughs> That's what He was saying. The poor you have, they, you've always had them. They'll be with you always. If you're so concerned about the poor... He said, you leave her alone. And he said a couple different things, but ultimately he said, she has come to anoint me for my burial. When I read stuff like that, I said, Lord, you really do have us covered. You've covered every base. You know, there's a verse that says, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the honor of kings to search out that matter. That's our duty in this life is to chase this God, interrogate his scriptures, feed off the shepherd, and hear from God and let him show us how much he's got our back and how much he's got us covered. Any amens on that at all? Amen. The longer I live, the more I realize. See, I, 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 was, I started talking tonight. I don't know why I come here. I feel like a family member. So I start talking like, hey, grandpa, throw another wood on the fireplace and we'll just kind of keep going. But I wonder, I used to wonder, why did I survive 21 months in Vietnam as a Marine leader? How did that happen? I took my family uh, a few years ago, not too long ago, but I took my family to Washington and my dear friend uh, Rick Santorum, if you know that name, he's a dear friend of mine, and he met me there and uh, I told him I want to bring my family over and I want to take my kids and couple of my grandkids over to the Vietnam Wall, the Memorial Wall and he said, well I'm gonna, you're my friend Mark, I'm going to meet you there. So he did. We went over there and I said to my kids look down the B section and you'll find my name not there. But look it up, look up these names and you'll find a lot of people that were either my friends or fellow Marines that are on that wall. But I'm not on that wall. Why not, I wonder? And for a long time, I wondered that. Probably a lot of combat people do no matter what war you were in. Why did they die and I live? Why did they die and I live? And, uh, and that bugged me for a long time. With all the Bible knowledge I had, you know, was learning, and all the things I could do the math on, I just kept thinking, God literally somehow had my back. He had a purpose for me to obey him I don't know about the others did he not have their back did he not have a purpose for them I can't answer them. I don't know but somehow in the providence of God in the great providence of God just like this little baby in this manger that you and I are now celebrating Christmas there was no room for him in the end man the city he's in didn't care about him Joseph's family wasn't there, Mary's family wasn't there, but God had it all put together. He sent the wise men, the shepherds, the king. You know why those particular people? Because kings represents the governments of the earth. Shepherds represents the workforce of the earth. and Wise men represents the the rich and and, uh, successful of the world, all coming. Remember what it said? They bowed down and they worshiped this little baby. He, he, they, they're going by what an angel said they're going by a rumor they're going by what they felt There's, I can't find a verse that says the star talked to them God had it covered in his providence he had this covered just like he does your life and just like he does mine wow I think we all lift our hands to him come on do it and just praise him for a minute Come on, I'm almost done preaching at you. Let's just praise him for a minute and honor him. Lord, you're so good to us. We love you tonight. Thank you. You are the king of kings. You are the Lord of lords. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I know this, my friends. If God can take a kid like me from a little dinky village here in Michigan, population, I don't know what 800, 1,100, when I was a kid, and I think they cheated and counted some cows and horses and some. <laughs> other stuff. So poor, so poor, and very troubled. And if God can take a kid like that and cause his path to meet Jesus Christ, and then cause his path to meet you, the church and now over the years i've been preaching now 42 years man we're global i don't even know i find myself today i'm at all at the at, at what we're talking about I, I everything has grown up so fast around me i just i can't keep up with it i got i said the other day why do senators call me why do why do governors call me you know A Supreme Court judge called and said, I really need to meet with you. I got some questions I need. What are you calling me for? I'm the kid from Harrison, Michigan. But it's the work of God. There's reasons for things. Don't ever treat coming here like you're going to church. You're going to the mountain of the Lord's house. Always come here with a straight posture. And stand up tall. And dress the best you know how, and watch your mouth when you're here in the presence of the King. Because if you let the modernist preachers, he's not one of them. I know that for a fact. If, I don't. I didn't say contemporary. I said modernist. Modernist preachers, they treat God like he's one of us. Like church is no big deal. It's just church. This ain't God house. It's just church. He But he's no big deal. Puts his britches on like I do. He's just. He just. He just pastor, or worse yet, he's just scout. No big deal. don't have to respect him. Then before you know it, this isn't the Bible, the, the, the Word of God, it, the, the total book of truth. It's our textbook. He's the professor. This ain't a pulpit. This is a podium. This ain't the holy place, the sanctuary. This turns into the campus, the classroom. The tithe isn't holy, a lot of people cheat and steal it now. They say, well, no big deal, I don't believe in tithing. They treat it like tuition. If I don't like the professor, and I don't like the class that I'm taking, I just take my tuition, and I'll go transfer my credits to another church. Who, who, who ever thought that God might have called them here except for God? God called them here. They're not here by accident. Are you listening to me at all? I gotta, that's my alarm. I didn't want you to think I was playing with my phone. If I don't set my alarm, I'll preach five times longer than Scout Hester. Just let me tell you right now. And it will totally be the Melport's fault because I went there and they gave me a quad cappuccino. That's four shots of espresso. I told one of the guys, don't put premium in the race car just before before they start the race unless you want him to go the whole way. Thank you. Thank Y'all dismissed, but these two. Praise God. Okay. So when it comes to us, this is the heart of my message to you. I'm going to close now. You, my friend, are that star. You're the moving star. Most of the people in your life, neighbors, Maybe people you work with, pump gas next to, shop within the grocery store. I don't know. Many of them, they've never met your Christ. And they never will unless they have a bright star to follow. you got to be that star. Let, let me rephrase that. You are that star. That's why we preach strong. Don't smell like them. Don't talk like them. Don't smoke like them. Don't drink like them. Don't tat like them. Don't pierce like them. Don't act like them then you're not a bright star. In fact, you might be a dim wick. You know, the the old lamp that Jesus told about and put oil in it, and you're supposed to trim your wick, not be a dim wick. So we're a bright star. That bright star will always lead people right to Christ and never beyond. Whether you get them born again out here in the street, born again at your house, their house, you're going to end up bringing them right here all bright stars end up right here at the dead center of the presence of God. That's what we're ordained to do now. And believe it or not, it may sound weird to you, but for some reason, if they can see this brightness in you, they will follow you just like, as unusual as it seems, just like these wise men or kings or shepherds, Followed that star. It stopped right there where Jesus was. They, wanna, they I'm going to tell you, they're looking right now. They, the world is looking right now. The world is hurting. They're, they're in darkness, man. They're scared. They, I mean, they have nowhere to turn. They don't know our God. They're, you know how many church people don't know our God? There's, there's masses of people who attend church somehow, somewhere, they really never met our Jesus. That's your duty. That's my duty. To to be that bright and shining star in Christ. Remember what Jesus said also the book of Matthew, quote, let your light so shine before men that they see your they see your good works and therefore glorify your father which is in heaven. That didn't mean they say, oh, you're a good citizen. Yay. If you're up there, God, yay. And then, no, glorify means they turn their life over to our God. Now, if you and I refuse to be that bright star, you don't have to drag people. You just got to shine. You got to shine. You got to get all, so do I. We got to get any junk out of our life that would cause them not to follow us. You know, before I met Christ, we called you hypocrites. That's what I called you. You're just a bunch of hypocrites. You know? There's not, I don't think you'll find too many people that call Mark Barkley a hypocrite. You might find some people say he's a fanatic. A Jesus freak, yeah. Someone said the other day, you know, Mark, one of the guys I grew up with still from my hometown. He said, You just, you got religion, man. You're a fanatic. I said, I'm no fanatic, I'm God possessed. A fanatic's a baby Christian, man. That's a that's just a little kindle fire. I'm a blaze for God. Don't ever insult me again. Next time just say Barclay's gone, he's God possessed. That'd be me. That should be you too, isn't it? Isn't that you? But I, you know, why we called you hypocrites? Because you always wanted us to be like you on Sunday. But a lot of the church, when they're not in church, they talked like we did, they listened to dirty jokes like we did, they got mad and threw tantrums like we did. Oh wait a minute! They not only drank beer, they drank our beer. Huh? Yeah. But if we um, we're not hypocrites, one man said a while back. All oh, this, is probably three, four years ago. Now five, six. I don't know. I'm living so fast, I lose track of the calendar. But I preached this message on on hypocrisy. What what does it mean to be a hypocrite? So I I taught that. And afterwards, this man comes up and he goes, "Pastor, you're you're right. I'm a hypocrite, and I'm leaving it. And I'm not coming back. I just can't do it no more." So And he just turned around and started walking away. Uh, so I don't know where it came from. I yelled at him, you are a hypocrite. <laughs> so he turned around and came back and he said, Pastor, that's what I'm trying to tell you. I heard your message today and, that, and, and I just, I'm not going to be a hypocrite anymore. I said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Let me ask you a question. Uh, are you really born again? Pastor, you know I'm a born-again Christian. Uh-huh. Uh, aren't you water baptized for the remission of sins? Well, you know it. You did it. You're, you did the baptism. Mm-hmm. And don't you, aren't you filled with the Holy Ghost? Don't you pray in tongues? Mm-hmm. You know I do. And you've been going to church here this long, and, and I see you with your Bible, and, and, uh, and you're tithing and giving, and when something's going on, you come out and work with your hands with the other guys. And I said, uh, were you faking all that? He goes, no, I didn't fake any of that. Aha, you're right, you hypocrite. Now he's, he's puzzled and he's staring at me. I said, you're a hypocrite, all right, son, but you're not pretending here. You're pretending when you go home to be a sinner again. That's where you're a hypocrite. When you're here, this is the real you. The real, born again, spirit-filled, water-baptized, Bible-reading, Servant of the Most High God, presenting your tithe and presenting your offering right here. You you are never more, son, the real you than what you are right here, right now. But when you go home, you pretend to be a sinner, I guess. And you pretend to to be something besides the real you. Amen. You can clap once. That's the truth. Amen. Praise God. glory to God oh I'm warming up look out get ready I oh my alarm went off I'm sorry. well next time you know if Pastor Scout would invite me more than once a year I'd probably come up more hang out with you have a good word but oh no Christmas time that's it once a year you're going to yell at Nate tomorrow Oh, it's Nate's fault. It used to be Ray's fault. He used to have Nate's (laughs) job. Yeah. And in his ultimate wisdom, he got called to go preach. (laughs) Uh, We love you very much. Be that bright star. Don't mess around with it. Because time now is so short. there's so many people hurting and going to hell. Someone said, well, I heard a preacher say there is no hell. Turn, turn him off. Turn him off. Yep, you died and went there. You know, Jesus said more about hell than any other person written in the Bible. I don't think I'm going to follow toothy, preppy, fancy pants, preacher that says there's no hell. I think I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. I think I trust him more. How about you? Father, I thank you now. We are celebrating your birthday all month long. But honestly and actually, we celebrate it every day of our life. Help us to get rid of all the crud, all the world, all the bondage, all the habits, all the language, all the attitudes. Help us to flush it down. Just flush it down the toilet. Just get rid of it so we can breathe that bright, bright star, that people will follow us on purpose. They will follow us to you, Jesus. And I claim with what I started with, I claim for this church and the Cedarville Church, I claim for us that we will win more souls in 2019. We will see more backsliders and prodigals come home in 2019 than any year we've been in history yet. Help us to win our families and to be a great influence. Raise your hand to me one more time. Come on. i got to sit down. Raise your hand at me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I declare over every single one of us this special anointing, just like I did earlier, Lord. I declare that we're going to have a great, great level of influence in our life, and people are going to follow us. We are that star. We are that bright star, and we're going to lead people to you, and we thank you for anointing us to do that. Everybody say, In Jesus' name. Bless you. Merry Christmas, everybody. Thanks for putting up with me. I love you, Scout. Amen. Give the Lord a good hand
1: clap. Come on. Praise God. Amen. Few challenges tonight, huh? Being a bright star. Well, praise God. We want to see many, many, many come to Christ. Amen. So the challenge has been laid down. We need to pick it up. Listen, we want to receive an offering for Dr. Barkley tonight. um, If you're making out a check... If you need an envelope, raise a hand. If you're making out a check, you can make it out to SCF, and um, we'll, we'll receive that. We'll write a check for Dr. Barkley. Um, every dime that you give will go to him. Um, we don't take a cut or a percentage ever. Uh, some churches do that, believe it or not, but we're not one of them. But if you need an envelope, we've got an envelope. need an envelope over here. We make out a check. SCF will be great. Um, and I do want to say... You know, we have ministers come through, and, and there's a lot of times, I have a lot of people call me all the time and say, hey, you know, I've got a word for your church. And I say, well, so do I. Thank you very much. And, and I can come, but I need X amount of dollars, you know, and then give me X amount of dollars and then take a love offering on top of that. And, and we'll Never, ever, ever has Dr. Barkley ever, 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 ever said anything about even taking an offering for him, ever. He just says, when I can get Nate to pry you loose, um, to come up, he just comes, we never discuss how much or money, he never ever, you know, so I appreciate that, and, um, but, but we're giving people, and we're giving church, so um, we're going to give, because I know what giving can do, and uh, I want to bless him, and, and uh, get him to the next church with his next message, and um, I want you to know how much I appreciate this man, I call him a lot, about things, some doctrinal things, and some structural things, and some administrative things, and it's nice to have a father in the faith. Um, just like we, some of us have natural fathers, it's nice to have a father you can call and say, "Hey, you know, I'm kind of stuck on this, or am I thinking right?" It helps. It really helps. So, um, we want to honor him tonight with our with with giving. So, um, go ahead, ushers, receive the offering tonight. Um, Go ahead, Jamie. Do you have a song? Do you want to play a song um, to just play pray us play us out of here? Yeah.